I was uh, fishing around for some information on a different story. And sometimes when you fish around for information on a different story, you get a whole nother story. So I was uh, looking into a particular donor. So I was looking for information on another story and I just stumbled upon. Remember a couple months ago uh, or a couple weeks ago, I had mentioned that CNN's uh, largest donor, excuse me, Kamala Harris's largest donor was the Warner Media Group. At the time, it, Warner, Warner Media Group was number one. Now it's number two, followed by University of California. So that list is Kamala Harris's largest and, and top donors in her entire career. And Warner, Me Warner Media Group used to be Time Warner. It's now uh, Warner Media Group. And full disclosure, I should let you know, my brother, my younger brother works for Warner Media Group. So just, I'm covering it. So you should know that my younger brother uh, works there. So Warner Media Group, uh, used to be Time Warner. Individuals from Warner Media Group gave $128,175 to Kamala Harris in her career. Isn't that interesting? So the parent company of CNN, it's, excuse me, the former parent company of CNN, it was CNN's parent company until last year. Got me? It switched. Now AT&T is CNN's parent company. The former parent company, Time Warner, which is now Warner Media, uh, gave the most to Kamala Harris, or excuse me, is the number two donor for her entire career. That was never disclosed when CNN covered Kamala Harris. CNN, when Warner Media was its parent company, individuals from C uh, Warner Media gave over $127,000 to Kamala Harris, and that was all during her Senate campaign. In 2016, she became a senator. She won in 2016, inaugurated in 2017. So I always said, you know, these people who are like Jordan, it's not the company donating, it's individuals from the company. Well, do you think people at Time Warner, which is used to be CNN's former uh, parent company, were so jonesing for Senate candidate Kamala Harris that like it was the janitors and the low end worker bees predominantly donating? to Kamala Harris? No. It usually, when you see a company, even if it's individuals from the company, uh, donating at high levels, it's usually executives from the company, senior management from the company, CEOs, and they're giving max donations. Technically, it's counted as individuals with the company, but it's high-end individuals that are executives, senior management, not the low-end worker piece. Right? And why would Time Warner, now Warner Media, be donating to Kamala Harris? Maybe uh, because Kamala Harris was going to be a senator from California, and most of the uh, communications, entertainment, television, um, telecommunications uh, epicenter is California. So, whatever. That was CNN's former parent company. But if you remember, when Kamala Harris uh, launched her campaign in January to a huge crowd in Oakland, California, supposedly, reportedly 20,000 people were there. She had a big crowd. CNN, within 24 hours, gave her a very, very nice town hall event. Do you remember? 
that town hall event, uh, if you want to call it a journalistic town hall, I would call it, I would refer to it more as a pillow party because they didn't ask her any tough questions. It seemed to me and a lot of progressives online that the questions from the crowd were pre-screened and fairly soft and fairly like a little gift to you, Senator Harris, to make you have get nice sound bites. It was a very, very quick turnaround. She gives a can she she kicks off her campaign. Twenty four hours later, she has a very nice softball, lux luxurious, and and very very um, let's just say cushy town hall with CNN. So to 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 refresh your memory on, on this town hall that CNN gave Kamala Harris within twenty four hours of her announcing. Reminder: CNN's former parent company. Warner me uh, Time Warner Warner Media, which full disclosure, as I said, my brother works for now. I didn't tell him I was doing this, but my brother works for them. But you know, doesn't really matter to me. So I want to give you a reminder how tough this town hall was that CNN gave to Kamala Harris. Here we go, Senator. Many Democrats that I've spoken with agree that the primary objective for 2020 is to nominate the candidate that has the best shot of defeating Donald Trump. Some have also said that given what occurred in 2016 and the current political climate, that a male nominee will have a better chance this time around than a female nominee. Would you please respond to this so that this man has a response ready the next time a man tries to mansplain why a man <laughs> would make a better nominee? My first response, Robert, is this, which is that the person who presented that point really is not giving the American voters enough credit. They're smarter than that. The people who vote, the people who live in this country are smarter than that. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You remember that? What a, what a town hall that was. And by the way, I'm all for, I'm all for, uh, a, I'm all for a, a female president. That's great. Let me get this straight. CNN's former parent company has given Kamala Harris $127,000. It's her second biggest donor in her career. Then Kamala Harris has kicks off her campaign, right? 24 hours later, CNN gives her a pillow fight, or excuse me, a pillow party with tough, tough questions like that. I mean, he's a, he's a very nice young man, but come on, you don't think CNN was loved that question and plucked his question out because they were trying to prop up Kamala Harris. At the time, they didn't know if Joe Biden was going to run or not. And in the beginning, CNN was giving Kamala Harris almost as much free airtime as they were an orange orangutan in 2015 and 2016. That wasn't the end of it, though, because I just went through Kamala Harris's uh, donors for the first couple months of the 2020 campaign. Looky here. Who's Kamala Harris's second largest donor so far in the 2020 presidential primary? AT&T. CNN used to be owned by Warner Media. 
until Warner Media sold CNN to AT&T last year. AT&T, or individuals working at AT&T, dumped in over $50,000 to Senator Kamala Harris's campaign in the first three months of this year. So why is this important, you might ask? First of all, if, okay, CNN is the same. It's always been CNN, but its last parent company, meaning its last financial owner, Time Warner, gave $127,000 to Kamala Harris's 2016 campaign. You following? Yes, it was individuals working for Time Warner, but it's not the low-end worker bees. It's the higher-end senior management executives giving a lot of money. That's how that works when it says individuals working for the company. Then Kamala Harris kicks off, big rally in Oakland, California. CNN, within 24 hours, gives her a big pillow fight, a, a big pillow party, a softball town hall to make her look wonderful. See, it took a while for CNN to give anybody else a town hall, including Bernie Sanders. I mean, they did, but it certainly wasn't 24 hours after he kicked off his campaign. I was there when he kicked off his campaign. They could have done a town hall with him the next day. I'm sure the Sanders campaign would have loved that. 24 hours, pillow party. And all while this is happening, all while this is happening, by the way, CNN's current, now we're talking current parent company, is sending $50,000 to Kamala Harris's campaign. Now, I don't know if any of you like to torture yourself enough to watch CNN from time to time. But I watch CNN from time to time, and I can tell you, I have never, ever heard CNN anchors, CNN reporters, CNN anybody disclose the fact that our parent company has donated to Kamala Harris, or that individuals at our parent company are big donors to Kamala Harris. Don't you think that's kind of a big deal? You know, for example, um, let me let me think about it for a second. So Ben and Jerry, right? Ben and Jerry, who, by the way, is a is a company that I'd love to get a sponsorship with for Status Quo. If any of you know Ben or Jerry, let them know about Status Quo because it's a progressive company. They believe in taxing the wealthy. They believe in paying their fair share. They make damn good ice cream. So I'm with Ben and Jerry, but I'm using Ben and Jerry as an example. So let's say Ben and Jerry uh, became a sponsor to Status Quo. Or let's say that, uh, I don't know, I invested my money. I don't have any, but let's say I invested to Ben and Jerry. Okay, so if there was a big story related to Ben and Jerry, a good story or not so good story, and I did it, wouldn't it be kind of unethical if I didn't mention that either Ben and Jerry is a sponsor of Status Quo, which they're not, but we would love them to be. We would love Ben and Jerry to be a sponsor for Status Quo. Am I being a little too obvious? It, 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 it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to me. You, it's, it's just basic journalistic practice. You 
disclose who your parent company is. If your parent company is giving money to the political candidate you're covering, the audience needs to know that. The audience would probably want to know, oh, well, then how could you credibly cover her if your parent company is flooding $50,000 to her campaign? And again, I want to be clear. I want to be clear. It's individuals working for AT&T that are donating the 50000 to Kamala Harris. But as I always say, it's not like, do you really think that low-end workers at AT&T or even the average worker at TNT is flooding like hundreds of dollars in donations to Kamala Harris? No. When you look at uh, OpenSecrets.org, which is the Bible of following money in politics, you know, they do have the bumper, the disclaimer under it that it's individuals uh, from these companies, but it's often the higher end senior management executives. So you have to wonder why is CNN's parent companies, both of them, formerly Warner Media that was dumping $127,000 into Kamala Harris's campaign, Senate campaign, and now AT&T, CNN's current, current parent company. Why do they want Kamala Harris so much? Because one would have to think, one would have to look at CNN's coverage so far of Kamala Harris, where she got a town hall 24 hours after her kickoff. The town hall was journalistically laughable. There was not one tough question. A CNN reporter was later shown to the CNN reporter that was assigned, that was assigned to cover Kamala Harris. So that reporter travels with the Harris campaign, literally was shown in a shopping store, shopping with Kamala Harris. No, I'm not kidding. Like giving her tips on what to buy. That was the tough journalism. Kamala Harris's, uh, the CNN reporter covering Kamala Harris. And to me, this is less about Kamala Harris, who is just a dime a dozen faux-gressive, faux-progressive. Now I condense to faux-gressive. But this is about CNN. CNN, why is it that they're putting, it seems, their, their last parent company and their current parent company, why is it that they're putting all their money between into Kamala Harris? One would have to think, it's because they know maybe she has similar characteristics to somebody like Hillary Clinton, who if Hillary Clinton became president, nothing was going to change for CNN's parent company. There wasn't going to be tighter regulation on Time Warner, which is who gave Kamala Harris $127,000. There wasn't going to be tighter media regulation under Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton wasn't going to raise taxes on corporations. Hillary Clinton was going to let corporations do what corporations do, and that's buy off the government, including her administration, and basically operate in the capitalist, greedy, oppressive system that we have. Well, who is surrounding Hillary Clinton? I mean, who is surrounding Kamala Harris? Kamala Harris's campaign, all of her top advisors were advisors for Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign. I believe her press secretary was with Hillary Clinton's campaign. Starting to see um, several of her advisors that travel with her were Hillary Clinton staffers. Also, Kamala Harris has some folks that worked at the DNC in 2016 on her staff. Some of uh, a, a significant amount of Kamala Harris's donors and top donors are the same people that donated to Hillary Clinton. So 
maybe, maybe CNN's parent company, both its former parent company, Time Warner Media, and now its current parent company, AT&T, maybe they're trying to prop up Kamala Harris to, pop, uh, to basically ride a horse that can beat Bernie Sanders. Is that conspiratorial of me? I just follow the money. I follow the money. When you have the last parent company putting in a lot of money to this candidate, and now you have the current parent company putting in a good amount of money to this candidate, one would have to think either they think she's just such an upstanding woman and politician and she's going to be great for the country, or this is the horse, this is their puppet that they're going to try to prop up. We know that they're trying to prop down Bernie Sanders and Tulsi Gabbard. CNN not disclosing the fact that its current parent company, AT&T, has given $50,000 so far, so far in the campaign. That's just the first three months of the campaign. Who knows how much more they're going to give to Kamala Harris. It's highly unethical. It's pretty much a code in journalism that you disclose conflicts of interest. It doesn't matter that it's individuals who work at CNN, excuse me, individuals that work at AT&T. It is an important disclosure. You th- like I said, it's not all. You can't, no one's going to say, oh, it's all just like the low-end workers who just love Kamala Harris. No. It's the high-end people working at these companies, and they're donating for a reason. And what I think is simply this. They didn't, you know, AT- AT&T, they didn't know. If Joe Biden was going to run, Joe Biden is who AT&T and therefore CNN prefers. So they didn't know he was going to run. So at first they tried to push Kamala Harris. And when she didn't rise in the polls, they tried to sw- they tried to switch to Beto O'Rourke. And when he didn't catch, you know, when when he started standing on the bars, it was it was nice viral moments to make fun of him. But he didn't rise. And now Biden is in and his financial information is not available yet because he got in after the FEC deadline for campaigns to uh, file with the Federal Elections Commission. But I would venture to guess that when Joe Biden's information does become available to who's donating to his campaign, my guess, you're going to see AT&T, CNN's parent company. So uh, we reached out to CNN's press office to see, hey, why is it that you guys are not disclosing when you do segments on Kamala Harris that your parent company has given $50,000 to her. So far, we have not gotten an answer. I'm not holding my breath to get an answer, but we're going to keep following up. Do you think it's journalistically okay to prop up a candidate who your parent company is at the same time simultaneously giving money to? Do you think that the Top anchors at CNN are unaware of who their parent company is donating money to. I'm not saying that AT&T does a conference call with CNN every day to tell them which candidates to prop up or prop down. But what I will tell you, it's very likely that CNN's journalists and anchors, they know who their parent company is giving money to. So we'll keep following up. But why this is important, I'm not just doing this topic to, to, to crap on CNN. How candidates like Bernie Sanders and Tulsi Gabbard, how they lose 
or how they get blacked out in Tulsi Gabbard's example, because she's getting no media attention, is when places like CNN, who are not actual journalistic outlets, they're just TMZ for politics. And they're just all day, they're paid to do two BS stories that are basically substanceless and just push narratives all day. But what CNN does is it, it broadcasts to a lot of older voters that if they keep seeing Kamala Harris constantly, or they keep seeing Joe Biden constantly, who are they going to typically gravitate towards? Or who are they going to think has the best chance? If their main source of news is CNN, and all they see is Joe Biden's winning by 20 points, or Kamala Harris is on the rise, or they're seeing town halls where the anchors at CNN are having like pillow parties with Kamala Harris, they're not going to look any more critically or, or scrutinize Kamala Harris or Joe Biden. And if they're not being exposed to Tulsi Gabbard by CNN, if when they are being um, exposed to Bernie Sanders, it's framing him as basically a communist, they're probably going to tend to vote for the establishment rather than give Bernie or Tulsi or anyone else a look. So big, 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 big push for impeachment. And there's also, also, all this hysteria, you know, Russia is still attacking us. Russia is still attacking us. And I've always said, yeah, I think Russia uh, pushed social media propaganda. Is Russia's social media propaganda significantly different than like David Brock and Correct the Record and the crap they put out there? No. But the corporate media doesn't seem to think that propaganda is dangerous to democracy. It's the Russian Facebook pages. It's the fake Facebook pages from Russia that steal elections and swing elections. I'm glad you said it. Somebody said distraction because it is a distraction. So I want to show you, uh, I did an interview that's going to air on Sunday with NSA whistleblower Bill Binney. And Bill Binney has gone on many shows and he's been saying all along it wasn't actually Russia and it wasn't a hack. Russia didn't hack. And Bill Binney is an expert on metadata. He's an expert on patterns. He for the NSA for 30 years, he helped, he, he um, predicted terrorist attacks before they were going to happen. And he also, uh, there's a documentary about him, it's called A Good American, says he could have prevented 9-11 if he would have had access to the data that the U.S. intelligence agencies, including the NSA, completely missed it. So I spoke with Bill Binney today. We're going to air the full interview on Sunday. It's not edited yet, so I'm just going to show you a raw clip. This isn't the edited video. Here's what Bill Binney has to say about the Russia hysteria that we're now living under. It's important to have you on, and it's a disgrace that the media, corporate media, wouldn't have you on. Because you got your early days, I remember you were in Turkey, uh, you know, as an intelligence officer looking for patterns <laughs> of the old Soviet yep. Union. So you know uh, the Soviet Union, now Russia. Uh, probably better than most of the schmucks they have on TV. And what I see is, you could talk about it more, obviously in the 60, uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, you had this really Cold War McCarthyite viewpoint that it seems like they're bringing back now. It was yes, kind of, yeah. And to me, it looks like kind of an attempt, obviously in the media for ratings and, and revenue, but in the government, uh, what, what is your view of, of why they are so intent to stoke fear on Russia? Because I look at China and other places as an actual threat to the United States. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, that's because the uh, 
the, you know, a lot of the public in the U.S. has been conditioned to, to fear the Russians because they're the big bad guys. You know, <clears throat> and this is the way you stroke a, a new Cold War. So you get you get the if you get the public to buy into we're having a Cold War, we can embezzle trillions of dollars from you and and bring it into the I mean, uh, we're talking trillions here you now, years and years of look at all this money we spent in the, in the Cold War. I mean, that must have been, you know, 50 trillion or something like that over the years. So, <clears throat> you know, it's a matter of uh, I call that a swindle. They're trying to swindle us. So they're trying to use the 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 preconditioned fear that was instilled in the Cold War as a way of, of uh, stimulating the fear again and creating a new Cold War so they can embezzle more money from us. Mm -hmm. and uh, that's fundamentally their plan. And you look at uh, John Bolton now, who reportedly, you know, Trump's just suddenly realizing, oh, John Bolton war. loves war. But yeah. we're, we're hearing, uh, I don't have any, there's no evidence being provided that Iran's yeah. attacking uh you know, tankers, uh, Saudi tankers, and, you know, they're, they're, the threat of Iran attacking us is growing and growing and growing. And it seems to me to be very uh, deja vu of uh, 2002. Uh, yeah, weapons of mass destruction, too. Right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Trump's administration has as many warmongers as W. Bush's. Absolutely. Uh, what, what should we know, uh, you know, in, in your expertise? You're, are you seeing the, kind of the tea leaves and the patterns of the build-up to previous wars? Of course, yeah. It's all emotionally driven. Like, even the Vietnam War was created on a lie. That Tonkin Gulf affair, that Tonkin Gulf attack, the North Vietnamese was supposedly attacked one of our destroyers in the Tonkin Gulf. Uh, and, and that was what LBJ used as a method for going over and creating a war over there and killing maybe two million people over there and losing 60,000 of our own and a couple of hundred thousand wounded and maimed, you know? And he did that based on an attack that didn't happen. Even the captain of the destroyer was telling them they didn't happen. You know, but he still used that as a way of, as a pretext to going to war. And the same was true with Bush with weapons of mass destruction. The same thing, the same thing, another lie. Use that lie to stoke fear and anger in the public and get them to back a war. So, you know, and I see the same thing here with the, you know, the, with the Russians trying to create a new Cold War so you can get more money. It just hasn't turned that hot yet. But what they're trying to do is use it in 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 the, in the smaller countries so that we don't have to have a nuclear exchange. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the threat for a direct war with Russia is nuclear exchange. And that wipes us all out. So that was NSA whistleblower Bill Binney, who we will have a full interview with this coming Sunday. Uh, I think I spoke with him for pretty pretty long time, uh, definitely over a half hour. And we talk about... Um, Julian Assange and the indictment with Julian Assange. We also talk about um, the Iranian war propaganda that, you know, John Bolton and all of them are trying to go to war with Iran. We also talk about a, the new surveillance, which is facial recognition. Uh, if you see what the government as well as corporate America is doing, they're, uh, they are creating and then executing facial recognition on you without your knowledge or consent. And then they're selling your data, your biometric data, to corporations or the government. Amazon. Uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez just pointed this out. Amazon it was working with ICE to do facial recognition on immigrants. That great company, Amazon. What would we do without Jeff Bezos? So Sunday, again, we're going to air the full Bill Binney interview. 
and reveal our surprise, which we hope, we hope you'll take my word for it and start get start going to that GoFundMe now. We, ha we haven't gotten anything while we're live in the GoFundMe, hint, hint, but once you see the surprise, that you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna donate because we're definitely gonna need to raise some raise a significant amount of dough to pay for the surprise. But I think the surprise is gonna show you we mean business here at Status Quo. I did an interview yesterday with a father who just lost his son to suicide. So first, I'm gonna play a clip from Congressman Ro Khanna, uh, Congressman Ro Khanna from California who went on to uh, the, the House floor uh, to talk about the father and his son who just committed suicide. Uh, let's play the clip from Congressman Khanna, and I'll come to you right after that. Mr. Chair, I rise today to tell the sad story of Daniel Desnoyers, who took his own life because he did not have the money to buy the basic drugs that he needed for his mental health issues. Daniel Desnoyers was a young man who struggled with depression and psychosis, mental health issues that show no physical symptoms, but take a deep psychological toll on those that they afflict. Daniel did the right thing. He purchased health insurance through the New York Health Insurance Marketplace from Fidelis a subsidiary of massive international conglomerate Centena Corporation. In March, Daniel went to the pharmacy to refill his prescription for risperidone, an antipsychotic medication that he needed. He was informed by the pharmacy that he no longer had health insurance, and the one-month refill would cost him $250. Now, to some people, $250 may not seem like a lot of money, but to Daniel, it was. And according to a 2018 study by the Federal Reserve, 40% of Americans would not be able to cover an unexpected $400 expense. Daniel, unfortunately, was one of them. So he did not buy the medicine, and he began to ration his antipsychotic medicine, taking it every other day, until he could get his insurance back. He contacted his provider, Fidelis, at the beginning of April when he learned that they had canceled his plan because he missed a $20 payment. Fidelis didn't immediately reinstate the plan. Instead, the company informed him that his coverage would not resume until May 1st. This meant another month without a refill of his prescription another month without the medicine Daniel needed to function. His ration of medicine had run out. On April 9th, filled with thoughts of suicide, a listed side effect for antipsychotic drug withdrawal, Daniel superglued his seatbelt shut, posted a farewell message on Facebook, and drove his truck into the river, ending his life. Daniel Desnoyers died at the age of 29 because he was late paying $20 to a corporation that pulled in more than $60 billion in 2018. Something is deeply wrong in this country.
where we let a young man die because he cannot afford medicine that he needs and when his insurance is taken away because of a $20 missed payment. Daniel died because we have a system that puts profits over patients, a healthcare system that does not guarantee basic care for all people is a healthcare system that is broken. Medicare for all could have prevented Daniel's death and it could prevent the death of so many others. Lloyd Doggett's pharmaceutical bill that would hold these pharmaceutical companies accountable could have prevented Daniel's death. 28 million Americans are still uninsured and millions more are saddled with high deductibles and high premium plans which lead them to forego the care they need. Medicare for All is the plan that will guarantee every American the basic care that they have a right to. Daniel Desnoyers wasn't a perfect man. He didn't lead a perfect life, but he tried. And our nation owes it to him and others like him to make sure that they have the medicine they need to live with dignity. I will continue this fight for Daniel, for his father, for his family, and for all Americans. So that was Congressman Rokana, uh, definitely one of the leading progressives in the country uh, on the House floor talking about uh, Danny, who was 29. Um, I spoke with Danny's father uh, yesterday, um, obviously grieving, uh, he and his wife. Danny was the father uh, of two children. Uh, he was only 29 years old. Um, you know, when when Roe, uh, when Congressman Khanna talks about um, him not being perfect, uh, you know, I talked to his father about it in the interview. Uh, Daniel had depression. He also had a, a side of mild psychosis. Um, at times he was violent, um, including uh, with some of the female partners he had, uh, obviously, Nobody condones that. Um, his father explained, which you'll see in the interview on Sunday, that when he was medicated um, and taking his medication routinely, uh, there was no violence. Uh, he was not a violent person. He was a funny person, a sarcastic person, uh, a joke, uh, somebody who always wanted to play. I know his father is actually watching right now. Uh, Scott is in the live chat there, if you want to send your condolences. Uh, we haven't edited the interview yet, so it's going to look a little choppy, but I figured I'd rather show you some of it and kind of tease the rest. Uh, on Sunday, it will be fully edited, but we don't see these stories uh, in corporate media. And I also think it's important to point out, actually, I'm going to point this out after I show you uh, just a little part of the interview. So again, it's not edited, uh, but you'll get the point. You read any medical journal, talk to any doctor, they will say the biggest side effect or one of the biggest side effects of being pulled off an antidepressant like this is it will escalate the symptoms it was helping with. In other words, if you were prone to hurt yourself, you're going to be more prone when you lose this medication because of the chemical imbalance. This is a known fact. The fact that his insurance was canceled they sent out a letter, I believe, to his home address where he wasn't allowed to go because of the legal problems that he was having, and he wasn't living there. Even if it got forwarded properly through the mail, it still would have received at our house too late for him to know that he owed 
So regardless, these symptoms, these things are put in place on purpose by the insurance companies. They know if they put these hurdles in, people are going to lose coverage, and they don't have to pay the benefits, and they make money. So they set this up to make money knowing that this would be the result. They know that if you're on these meds, you might have a percentage to do this type of thing. My son's not a percentage, not just a percentage. He's my son. He, he's a father. He's a brother. He's an uncle. But these factors were all weighed out in front of the, the, our lawmakers, and they figured this is okay. This is acceptable that a percentage of people are going to go through what I'm going through so that the insurance company could save money. I was never politically active. 47 years old, I cast my first, first vote for Bernie Sanders. He got me politically activated. That year at phone bank for the first time, never believed in politics before. Bernie in 2016 made me aware, along with millions of other Americans, that there's better systems out there. I had no idea that other countries had single-payer systems. We were taught our whole lives that America has the greatest healthcare system in the world. And this is a lie. We might have the greatest doctors. We probably have the richest doctors for sure. And I don't blame the doctors. I don't blame the hospitals. And I don't blame the individual insurance companies. I blame all of them. I blame the lawmakers for allowing the insurance companies to do this to us. We need change. We need Medicare for all. And we need it now. We don't need to keep going through this sort of hell. I'm not. My Bible tweet had thousands of other stories, just as bad, some worse than mine. I can't even fathom how there could be a worse story than mine. Every morning I wake up with the weight knowing my, I will never see my son again. I will never see a smile. I'm not the only one that's having this sort of crap going on in his life. And I can't just sit here and do nothing. I promised Danny's siblings at his wake that I will be on the Senate floor myself. I will look at these senators that make these decisions, and they will have to look me in the eye and see what decisions are the consequences of their decisions. They have to look at a father knowing that they took his boy away by their decisions. This has to change. So that was Scott Desnoyers, uh, father of Danny. And uh, Danny was 29 years old. And in April, after getting cut off from his medication for depression and psychosis, um, got so depressed and suicidal that he drove off, uh, drove his car, well, first glued the belt, seatbelt to himself and drove into a lake. Here's Danny with one of his children. The full, a full interview with Scott uh, will air Sunday uh, during our show, uh, our, our live stream. It'll be edited, so it won't look. You won't see that black space and everything. But I wanted to show it to you, even unedited. And I want to. I think it's important to make a point that 
Hazel. That was uh, Danny's child, Hazel. I want to make a point that um, mental health is just as as um, deadly as a physical illness. And I, I have depression. Uh, I take antidepressants. I was hospitalized a few years ago. I don't know if I've ever told everybody that. Um, it was best thing that ever happened to me. One of the bracelets I wear says uh, strength on it. I got that in the hospital. I was in the hospital for two weeks. I, I was depressed um, and had suicidal thoughts and all that. It's the first time I've ever had suicidal thoughts. It was very scary. And I was fortunate to have health insurance at the time. And I was also fortunate that if, if what happened to Danny, if his insurance got canceled abruptly over $20, and if, I, if that happened to me and the medication cost $250, I'm lucky that my parents have, have the money to help me out. Many people have family that cares but can't afford $250 for medication. I reached out to Fidelis Healthcare. Uh, I gave them very specific questions yesterday. I followed up today. Shockingly, they have not responded. The fact that Danny, and you're going to find out more about the story on Sunday, definitely watch. The fact that Danny, because the paperwork was getting sent to a house that he was not living in at the time. As far as I know, Fidelis didn't answer. As far as I know, did they try to call him several times to tell him he had a remaining balance of $20? If they couldn't reach him, did they try to contact his emergency contact over his bill? Did they try any other means than sending a bill for $20 before they canceled his insurance? I don't know because they haven't responded to me. I'll keep following up with them, but I'm assuming they don't want this story to get any bigger than it should get. When an insurance company cancels a patient, I also ask them, is it an automated process or do you actually have humans that work for you that are looking at each case? Because if it's humans that are looking at each case, you have to know that canceling somebody who's on this medication, that person without this medication will rapidly start having the symptoms that this medication helps. Depression, suicidal thoughts. So make no mistake about it. Danny was not perfect. His father and I talk about it in the interview. But this insurance company killed a 29-year-old with two kids by cutting off his insurance without even attempting. And again, I don't know. Maybe Fidelis did try to contact him and they couldn't get through, but they have, they've had two days to answer me if that's the case. They have not answered me. They didn't try. As far as I know, they didn't try to contact him. They didn't try to contact his parents. They didn't give him more time or an extension. They didn't, if he was late for paying the $20, they didn't, instead of filling the whole prescription, filled half the prescription or filled, I don't know, seven to 10 pills. So if Danny would have went, 
and realized, oh, why isn't this the full amount? He would have known they canceled your insurance. But the worst part, Denny found out that his insurance was canceled, I think at the end of March. So he called Fidelis in the beginning of April. He paid the $20 right there on the phone. But he was told, yeah, you'll be covered again as of May 1st. Well, would you tell an old lady on oxygen if the same thing happened? Would you tell an old lady who needs oxygen? You cancel their insurance? And, oh, you pay, now you paid the balance? You'll get the oxygen and the coverage in a couple weeks? You want to know why you wouldn't tell an old person that? Because older people are on Medicare. And they're covered, period. There's no difference between needing oxygen, needing insulin, needing anything for physical ailments than needing medication, whether it's depression, whether it's psychosis, whether it's bipolar, whether it's schizophrenia, whether it's borderline personality disorder, whatever it is. And you know who I blame more than anyone else? And I, I can't, I'm not, obviously I'm not as angry and upset as Scott. I blame Nancy Pelosi. Let's forget the Republicans for, for a minute. I blame them too. But Nancy Pelosi is the top Democrat in the country. She's third in line to the presidency. She represents the most progressive state in the country, California. If she wanted to do it, when she was Speaker of the House under President Obama, she could have helped push Medicare for All in when Obama was president. But she chose to push a Republican health care plan. Obamacare was originally a Republican health care plan hatched out of the Heritage Foundation. And why did she do that? Have anything to do with the pharmaceutical industry's lovely, lovely relationship with the Democratic Party? and the Republican Party. Do you think California, which was on the verge of becoming the first state in the country to pass a state-based single-payer system, you think it would have passed if it had the backing of Nancy Pelosi? I think so. A 29-year-old is gone because insurance, because healthcare in this country is connected to profit and money. You know, we, we have a lot of viewers that watch from around the world, and, and they just don't understand it. And I, uh, in 2017, went to Germany, and I had dinner uh, with a, a couple uh, who watched me at the Young Turks. And we talked about it, and, and it was just like a way of life. Like, they didn't understand, like, yeah, our government pays for it. Because in some countries, governments, actually, it's radical, represent the people and actually care if the people live or die. So next time, you know, CNN or the New York Times, they talk about Medicare for all as like a, you know, oh, the extreme left, the extreme left. You wanna know why they talk about it that way? Oh, because CNN, they get really good health care from that company. New York Times, they have a great health care plan. When I was at MSNBC, Healthcare plan was pretty good. They don't have to worry about healthcare. But you know what? 
right now. You know how much I'm paying right now for healthcare every month? And full disclosure, Mama Charity is helping me because I can't afford it on my own. I pay $630 a month for healthcare. That's before I have to pay copays or deductibles or all that stuff. Healthcare in America is health scam.